Hello and welcome. This is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. What does that word Hosanna mean? Is it like hooray? Or maybe it's just a synonym for alleluia, a word of worship and praise. Whatever it means, whatever we think it means, we get the emotional overtones of the word. Passover Sunday is, begins with this waving of palms. And it's excitement and it's expectation, isn't it? We get the mood but I'm not sure we get what it means, meant to them, or what it means to us. Once a year on Passover, the Jews remembered that God had freed them from the oppression of the Pharaoh. God had brought them into this promised land of freedom, a land poetically flowing with milk and honey a promised land where they would enjoy prosperity and peace. Passover is like the 4th of July for us Americans. It's a celebration of freedom and peace like we enjoy and celebrate on the 4th. There was a lot of worry about the dangerous yearnings for freedom of those Jews who were coming from all over the country, coming on their once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to Jerusalem. You see, those times of political freedom had been gone for a very long time. But their hearts and dreams, hopes and dreams of 
freedom and peace continued to fire their hearts and minds. And over the centuries, since the last Jewish king ruled in Jerusalem, a new hope had taken place, had taken root. There would be a new leader from the line of the greatest king of all time, David. A Messiah, they called him. And you notice in the, in the scripture today, it doesn't use the word Messiah. It uses prophet. And so there's a lot of debate about who this Jesus is. And we can certainly expect that on this Palm Sunday, there were a lot of ideas about what it meant that he was coming into the city of Jerusalem. Who would he be? What would it mean when he arrived there? The only thing that everybody could agree on was that the Messiah would come. They didn't even know for sure that it was Jesus. And so it's, it's in that spirit that the crowd watched with excitement and they were, I'm sure, speculating theologically and biblically among themselves as they watched and waited for him to come by. He might be the Messiah. But then he came riding on a donkey. As Lauren pointed out, you know, that's not your first choice for the king to come riding into Jerusalem. It's, it's kind of in our face. And uh, just a, a little aside on, on Matthew, if you're really paying attention, he rode in on, on a donkey and a horse in Matthew. And that's really a little confusing. We think that, that Matthew just was one of those guys who needed to, to take everything literally and what he was taking literally from the book of Ze Ze Zechariah was these words that, that he shall come riding on a donkey and a colt. And so it's more the imagery of the fulfillment of that promise that we need to pay attention to, not the the jot and the tittle of how Matthew actually recorded what happened that day. Some in the crowd had probably been paid earlier in the day to be there for a parade on the other side of town when the Roman legions had ridden into town. The soldiers their leader, Pontius Pilate, was, I'm sure, riding in on the glamorous horse with all the security troops to occupy the city during that Passover time. It was a demonstration of the power and potential violence which Rome substituted for real peace and justice. The Pax Romana, it was called. Yes, keeping things under control using the military and the absolute power of Pontius Pilate to use public spectacles of executions like 
crucifixions were unforgettable demonstrations of God's absolute, or of Rome's absolute power over life and death. It was, the Pax Romana was better than the constant fighting between local tribes and small small nations, but it was not real peace for the average person. They lived in fear of the whims of their absolute rulers and how they might be treated. The average person yearned for a kind of peace that was established in the way you and I understand peace, established by fairness, established by a chance to support our families safely, and a place where justice is practiced when people can't work things out. Every year it was like this in Jerusalem. These Jews were always talking about the fact that their loyalty, their expectations of fairness and justice came from their one God, Yahweh, the one true Lord of the world. And the dream of living by God's standards of justice here on earth burned in their hearts. They insisted to the Roman authorities that this one God taught them that they were forbidden by Mosaic law to give their loyalty to the emperor, especially since the emperor also called himself the son of God. Caesar stamped it right on the coins that they used. Caesar Augustus. Caesar, son of God, is what that means. In fact, they were so stubborn about their loyalty to El Shaddai, to the Lord Almighty, that they had actually worn down the usual practice of Rome to insist that everyone must acknowledge the divinity of the emperor, the divinity of Caesar. Rome had actually agreed to compromise with the Jews. They were so stubborn. The Jews were the only people in the Roman Empire who were not required to say that the emperor was the son of God. An exemption. They were required to pay taxes, of course, and to perform other emperor worship ceremonies from time to time, but they were not required to say that the emperor was ultimately in charge of the world. So the Jews had a limited freedom to reserve that title of the one for the one they were hoping for that was reserved for this Messiah they were expecting. And so on this day, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem, they were excited by their hopes and dreams for the establishment, the reestablishment of justice and peace 
with a king in the line of the greatest king of all time, David. And hope, hope is a powerful thing. It's the thing that keeps us going in life, isn't it? Working for a better life, life for ourselves, our families, our community, and even our nation and the world. The hope keeps us going. And the crowd that day had heard that Jesus might be the long-awaited Messiah. And they shouted, Hosanna! I'm here to tell you this morning that Hosanna is not the same as hooray. Nor is it a synonym for alleluia. A word of praise and worship. Hosanna is a literal translation of a Greek word that doesn't even have an English equivalent. And so that's why we say Hosanna. In Greek, it means save, but with an urgency, save now. So you can imagine them chanting, save now, save now, save now. Save from what? Pontius Pilate rode into Jerusalem carrying with him the threat of state violence to keep a kind of peace. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a humble donkey carrying with him the key to real hope. Real hope for real peace. But we have to be careful. We know how everything turns out in this Holy Week. In a tragic way, the power of Rome prevails, nails Jesus to a cross by the end of the week in a public spectacle of humiliation. But we know that's not the end of the story, don't we? The violent Pax Romana has the final say? No. We need to take this story very seriously. I would like to encourage you to attend two of the most important worship services in the entire church year this Thursday, this Maundy Thursday. Maundy is derived from the Latin word for command and refers to Jesus' commandment to the disciples to love one another as I have loved you. I'll be preaching at St. Mark's at 7 p.m. this Thursday. And I believe that the Lord's Supper is as important as Easter. I also believe that our faith cannot be as deep and resilient with the hope of the peace of God without understanding what happened on that Thursday and Friday of Holy Week. I hope you'll make a special effort to attend because then on Friday, a Friday that we strangely call good, even though Jesus is dead. We will have a time of meditation and readings at First English Lutheran at 7 p.m. also. And 
In that service, we'll contemplate together what happened on the cross. If you truly desire to deepen your faith, don't skip these services. Even if you can't make it, watch them online later. They will help you grow spiritually. Because we really want to skip from Palm Sunday to Easter, from celebration to celebration. But it is in understanding Jesus on Thursday night and God the Father on Friday that our faith is strengthened for the trials of real life, the suffering that comes to us in many forms. And what we find there is a hope that is unshakable, resilient, and strong. We know how the story ends. What, happens, what happened was just the beginning of something absolutely new that we'll be talking about next Sunday morning on Easter morning. Something absolutely new. God is a God of resurrection power. It was a surprise then, and when we really get it, it's always a surprise that God is able to do that. Eventually, his followers decide, realize that the cross revealed a power of new life and hope that had only been hinted at, or else they hadn't been able to hear what Jesus was talking about. Both were true. This humble man, Jesus, came teaching and living as an example for all time of a kind of peace which isn't founded on coercive power and violence to keep people in line through fear and intimidation. Jesus had taught about a kingdom much different than the empire of Rome and Pontius Pilate. Jesus proclaimed that God is in the process of bringing a kingdom here on earth based on faith and the trust and joy and hope felt by his followers. They literally called each other brothers and sisters in Christ. And in this way, a long journey of learning to live in hope began. Look around you. We are brothers and sisters, literally, in the family of God. What would it mean to take that seriously? Brothers and sisters, we take care of brothers and sisters, don't we? We take care of our family. And what does it mean to extend that to a group of folks, some of whom we don't really even know very well, we are still brothers and sisters. And so as we remember this first Palm Sunday, we have to remember that they didn't know how the story was, turning, turning, was going to turn out. What is the son of David going to do when he goes into Jerusalem? Would he sit on a throne like David's? at long last administering the justice of the law of Moses? Would he raise an army and overthrow the coercive and violent power of Rome? No one knew. 
All they knew was how desperately they were, how desperate they were for hope. And so they cried out, Hosanna, save now, save now. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. We're in a situation today a lot like this crowd, aren't we? We don't know what's going to happen next. We have a world that's very, we literally have very real wars and rumors of war flying around in the news every day. We have a peace which is based on a strong military. Thank God for those who serve and for this great country to keep stability. But don't mistake this balance of power and the threat of violence, the mutual threat of violence for real peace. As with the Pax Romana, this peace is fragile and requires constant fighting to preserve. Rejoicing in the hope of Jesus Christ, we Christians hope for a time and a world where the peace of Christ will be the rule. Where the lion shall lie down with the lamb. Where we will be able to turn our swords into plowshares. Maybe that makes us unrealistic dreamers. But maybe, just maybe, this dream and our, our yearnings and our faith, our shouts of Hosanna, save us now, will be a part of bringing a new kind of world, a peaceful world based on faith, and the trust, joy, and hope felt by everyone. Rejoice. Hosanna. Amen. We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today as we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at P.O. Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio, 45895. Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844-971-1800. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.